Don't forget to check out another podcast of ours called Escaping 1980, where we explore the causes, impacts, and lasting effects of one of the most infamous events in American agricultural history, the 1980s farm crisis. You'll find Escaping 1980 wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. It's Brent and David. Brent, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, new articles, but wanted to circle back to the latest out of the USDA's WASI report. The July WASI came out this week, and I guess there wasn't a whole lot of surprises that came out of that, but we had some new data from the quarterly stocks report, but also the acreage, June acreage estimates. And so there were some adjustments in the corn. We saw the higher planting estimates. Yields have been unchanged. Very uncommon for the USDA to change yields in July unless there's a very obvious big crop or drought impacting the yields. But you could also see beginning stocks a little tighter here. In general, uh, we saw that the ending stocks increased just slightly. And so you can see ending stocks to use is about 9.6% for the 2021-22 marketing year. For context, it was 7.5% last year. And the long run average is about 13%. So this is sort of the backdrop. We're going to have a forecast network question about the probability of this coming in below 10% uh, for stocks to use because we've been flirting around this 10% stocks to use for quite a while. It's going to be a relevant question to keep in mind as we move ahead. Some of the things are starting to firm up on this balance sheet a little bit. The acreage number, thank goodness. All that debate over where the acres go is gone now. People aren't talking about urban sprawl and how many acres been lost, lost to urban sprawl and principal crop acres and all that stuff now. So I'm, I'm thankful for that because I thought that was kind of a silly argument anyway. So the acreage number is kind of finally written down on not pin yet, but, but getting pretty close. But the yield one is the big wild card right now. And David, you and I were talking offline earlier on these uh, demand side, where my surprises in demand come from, because those are the other things that, you know, there's still a lot remains to be seen what can happen there. The ethanol, we, we discussed gasoline demands actually been pretty strong lately. So that's, you know, probably a positive. Don't know how much ultimate upside there could be, but maybe we're getting rid of some of that downside demand risk on ethanol. The exports continue to be the big wild card as to how that whole picture is going to shake out. And uh, of course, China being a big player in all of that discussion, particularly in soybeans, but also in corn now, that will be important to kind of track that going forward. Ethanol, just backing up to ethanol, 5.2 billion projected in usage, about 5.1 billion last year and 4.9 billion the year before. So thinking about all the policy and then the economic uncertainty that's been moving through here. So finally getting maybe ethanol back to where it has been. Ethanol doesn't have a a long-term huge growth story like it's had the last two decades, but I guess we're sort of getting through some of the, the headwinds that we saw in this industry the last few years. So I want to point out the USDA has a farm average price for the marketing year that we're about to enter of 560. And just think about where that stacks up for history. 
560 for, you know, it's an early estimate. A lot can change and happen, but we were about 440 for last year, the marketing year that we're still technically in, but we're closing out quickly. Why is it so low for last year? Well, a lot of crops got marketed before the rally and the rally happened pretty late in the fall. So even grain marketed around harvest and throughout the end of 2020, the calendar year, didn't have the chance to benefit. But we were between 350 and 375 for five or six years before. These were the really tough periods in agriculture. But historically, corn got above $6 a bushel for a farm average price. This is the average price that every across all the farms in the US, it got above $6 in 2011 and almost to $7 in 2012. So very strong prices today, especially relative to 2014 to 2019, but not nearly as strong as those highs that we saw back in the, the boom years. I think that's an important thing to, to say and to put that all in perspective because it's like human nature, I think, to want to try and predict what's going to happen to the prices, but we're really not that good at doing it. It's really hard to do. And when we just step back and look at it and you go, well, you know, current corn price is like 560 on the board. Where is that in the grand scheme of things? And it's pretty attractive price. It's important to just remember that and not get leaning probably too heavily heavily one way or the other. So it can be a little bit risky. I mean, some people can afford to take risks. Some people, that's what they want to do is take risks. That's fine. But these prices are pretty attractive in the, in the big picture. I'm going to pull up the soybean. It's kind of an interesting copy and paste. Not much at all changed. Of course, the USDA nailed the acreage back in March, that prospective planting. If there's ever a time for the USDA to take a victory lap, it would have been the prospective planning back in March. And of course, the stocks use, the beginning stocks and the ending stocks, there was a pretty much in line with what we expected back in June. So stocks use sitting now at 3.5%. For context, we were 3% last year, and the long run average is about 8, 8.5%. Again, a tight situation for soybeans. What's really interesting is actually soybean prices now in the USDA's Estimates about three thirteen seventy for a farm average price for the 2021-22 marketing year. The crop growing now. That's the second highest we've seen. So we actually see higher soybean prices today relative to corn than we saw in that 2011 to 2013 window. So 14, a little over 14, I think it's 1440 is the all-time high. We have an article you can go read all about that. But soybean prices today are relatively more attractive than compared to the past context. Again, and I think that reflects still a lot of uncertainty on the soybean, probably more so on the yield side, more uncertainty on soybeans yet than there are there even is on corn. And so it's a tight situation. I think the market reflects that probably has potential to get even tighter, although you won't see the stocks to use ratio get much tighter than 3%. It'll just, you'll just have to have rations and demand if the production falls. You had a great article this week. I wanted to let you talk a little bit about what you're thinking about for the farm economy overall. One of the things I wanted to write a little bit about is how much farm economic conditions have improved. It's really been surprising, I think. And and when we look at, you know, you look at the chart, I think it caught a lot of people off guard, but we notched in the pandemic year, the fourth highest real net farm income that we've seen in the last 20 years, or actually net farm income is the third highest in the last 20 years. So that's really pretty good. And it comes on on the back of four years, 16 through 19, that were in the bottom half of income. 
it's, it's been a really big change. Now, one of the things I think is important to understand is that, you know, USDA actually showing, expecting net farm income to decline this year in 2021 relative to 2020. And I think for a lot of us, you might go, well, boy, the prices and everything looks a lot better. Why would, why would that happen? And part of it is just how much is expected to be taken out of the government payment column. Or in another way to say that government payments were really, really large in 2020, $47 billion. That is a huge number. It's by far the largest amount we've ever seen. Previous record beat it by 12, almost $13 billion. So we're looking at about 20, you know, USDA's forecast about $20 billion decline in government payments. Of course, that all comes out of the bottom line. So therefore, part of the reason you're seeing them forecast a little bit of a decline at farm income. But the reality is, is it's still a pretty positive story. The other thing I kind of looked at was just how income had changed across different commodities. And, and one of the things that we saw is that, you know, I showed net cash income by, by farm businesses. So these are just farm businesses, not all farms. And what you saw, one of the things that kind of surprised me is just how much income has improved for wheat farms. And, you know, there was a lot of that debate on the acreage issue earlier. And David, I think, had been pretty consistent in saying, hey, you know, one of the things that changed is all these commodities are more profitable. And wheat being one, you know, the fortunes of the wheat grower have improved significantly from kind of their rock bottom, which was in 2015, which I can't remember. There was one of those years in there maybe it was 15 or 16, we actually got uh, loan deficiency payments, LDPs on wheat. <laughs> that means prices were really, really low. So it's good to see that improvement, I guess, is one way to say it. Brandon, it's funny you mentioned the wheat and brought that up because about a week ago, I was flipping through my phone for some reason. It reminded me of a picture I took and it was in 2015 or 2016. And it was somebody took a picture of the, the dollar menu at McDonald's and they scratched one out and they wrote wheat because wheat was getting very, very cheap. Of course, I don't think it ever got to a dollar a bushel. That would be very, very extreme. But it was in the LDP era and it was a very, very low price. And it was kind of surprising. And of course, Growers dropped 9 million acres of wheat in about two years there. And so we had big declines in wheat in 15 and 16. That has improved, but we've got to see how this plays out headed into 2022. Because if you want to see corn and soybean acres move a lot, watch for wheat acres to really swing. And so that's a kind of a leading indicator, I think, for the acreage debate is where does, especially winter wheat, where does that play out? So yeah, wheat has, uh, wheat has improved quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's a good sign. We always used to say that the turnaround when things were not good, which was not that long ago, you know, watch that wheat deal because until it got better, it was going to be hard to fix the pricing situation of other commodities. And I, I think we're seeing signs that that's happening. Brad, I guess some of the next stuff up is, of course, the August Wazi report comes out the 12th. It's going to be a first time the USDA has some data on making those yield projections for corn and soybean. We'll have a forecast network question about that. We have the ongoing forecast network question about above and below trend yields. And so offline, we were trying to debate how we should be forecasting against each other to get a better score, but um, still a lot of uncertainty as to how these yield stories start to play out. So a lot to keep in mind, but we're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So we'll see how this wraps up in the next few months. Check those yield forecast questions out. 
I probably have to rethink mine a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm above consensus on the corn yield by quite a bit and the, and the consensus has fallen a lot recently. You know, sometimes that's a signal found that to be useful that maybe, maybe my expectation is out of whack a little bit, you know, also check out Jeff's yield models. I've got some pretty interesting stuff in there and I don't know if I'm weighting that heavily enough. So one last story, uh, Brent and I, some, we look ahead a lot and do budget projections for crops across different regions of the country. So we were making some projections for the 2022 and we were reviewing this, this 560 corn price. And so I looked and said, okay, what were the expectations for the 2020, 2021 market? You know, the crop we grew last year, what were the expectations last summer at this time? And they were 320 a bushel. And so we went from 320, which would have been very, very bleak. I mean, this was huge PLC payment potential, very bleak outlook. And now we're at something like 560. And so this is a very favorable change, but it provides context for how quickly and how large sometimes things can change in the farm economy. So very favorable shift for corn and soybean growers. But we also got to remember these types of changes are sort of always looming out there. So we got to make sure we're keeping that in the back of our mind. That's pretty amazing, actually, think about it, that it changed that much. In a year. Um, yeah. And those price forecasts are based on futures markets. And that's, so that's, you know, $2 swing. That's a huge More amount. than two. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's a huge, huge, huge amount. So again, put all those numbers in context and think about what it means. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. In the meantime, stay curious. Thanks. Thanks.